Welcome to Simply Cyber. Today is Thursday, November 10th, 2022. Welcome to episode number 238 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, we got you covered. But before we get into all that good stuff, shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber Solution and Recon InfoSec. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at BarricadeCyber.com. You can see their website right here. Very, very easy to get in contact. Eric Taylor's calendar is right here on the schedule. 30 seconds to set up a meeting. Talk to them and see how Barricade Cyber can help your business avoid having the worst day of their life. Also, shout out and thanks to Recon InfoSec. Recon InfoSec, if your, organi- if your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, which, spoiler alert, is most organizations, but maybe not quite large enough to build a full-fledged SecOps capability from the ground up, especially if the CFO is like, I'm not giving you any more money. we got to do belt tightening. Check out the managed detection and response. MDR offering from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Literally a security company built and run by security professionals. Great, great uh, situation. Both Barricade Cyber and Recon InfoSec. You can see uh, the websites here and links in the description below. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications, CISP, CISA, CISM, perhaps you're going to be taking those certification exams sometime soon. Good luck on that exam. Each episode, just like this one, of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So each episode stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat. Hashtag Team Live if you want. And document literally the easiest, and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPs. If you are here live, absolutely love it. Thank you so much for spending some time today with me and with the Simply Cyber community. I promise you, you're going to get value from the show today. If you're watching on replay, drop a hashtag Team Replay in chat. Love the replay community. Thanks so much for catching the stream. Now, uh, before we get into the news, we 
do something here all every day, all day. We're going to spend a couple minutes, say what's up to everybody in chat, welcome everybody, and then we're going to get right into the news. If you want to jump to the news, uh, if you're live, you can't do that, but if you're on replay, just hit, jump ahead a few times and you'll be off and running. But I want to say what's up to chat. Good morning, chat. For those of you who have sent me birthday wishes, thank you so much. It's very, very thoughtful, very, very kind of you. If you are a squad member, I see Ahmed's uh, dropping a Chief Wiggum right there. Definitely take advantage of the new emotes I added to chat just yesterday. Uh, thank you so much, squad members, for all that you do. Um, I, I really, really uh, appreciate it. And there's some good ones in there. Chief Wiggum, John Strand. Um, I think... There's a police one, maybe. Oh no, that is Chief Wiggum. I forget. I forget all the ones I did. Uh, but no, it's all about good times in there. Definitely gonna have a sip of coffee here as we get into it. Thank you, Usher, for the birthday wishes. Thank you, Michael McBride, for the birthday wishes. Justin Loken, love it, love it, love it. You guys are so kind. Spent my morning in person with one Charles Finfrock. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Toasty. Yeah, Justin Loken knows what's up. Yeah, Charles Finfrock came down to Charleston. Wonderful guy. Taught my Citadel class this morning. Opened the eyes and the minds of the cadets there at the Citadel. Absolutely appreciate him. And there he is, Haircut Fish. Now, guys, remember, it is Thursday, which is What's Your Mean Thursday. So stay tuned for the mid-roll as Haircut Fish, a.k.a. Dan Reardon, uh, has uh, developed another wonderful meme that we will be dropping on you at the mid-roll. Thank you so much, Carrie, for the birthday wishes. Thank you so much, David Campos, for the birthday wishes. Thanks, Philip Martin. Hey, thanks, Aaron KG. You guys are so so wonderful. I, I genuinely appreciate it. Got to have dinner. Thanks, Robert Moritz. Uh, Jared Beerpoint, thank you. I, I had a uh, dinner with uh, Charles last night. Great fish and chips. There's a little haunt in here in Charleston called the Griffin. If you ever get a chance to come to Charleston, it will not show up on any, any tourist maps or Google searches. It's a little hole-in-the-wall dive bar, and somehow they've cornered the market on the best fish and chips I've ever had. Thank you so much, Cyber Insight Canada. So much. Brad, uh, Brady McNulty, thank you so much. George Fitzmaurice. Nah, Shrimp and Gits is good, but it's not my jam. All right. Get, get out to West Point. Love it, love it, love it. I've told Charles Finfrock to join the stream. I don't know if he's going to. But, all right, guys. We're having a good time, but I think it's time to get into the news. Shall we? Guys, sit back, relax, and let's deliver hot takes on news. Oh, Jeremy Williams, thanks so much for the, for the uh, super chat, for the birthday gift. I appreciate that. I will be spending it on coffee. Uh, cheers, everybody. Oh, that's great of you, uh, Carrie. Very nice. All right, guys, let's sit back, relax, and do the news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, November 10th, 2022. Crypto winter comes for FTX. Earlier this week, crypto exchange Binance signed a letter of intent to acquire its rival, FTX. This comes after FTX experienced a liquidity crunch and reached out to Binance for assistance. The letter did not bind Binance to complete the acquisition. Less than a day after signing the deal, Coindesk sources say Binance appears highly likely not to go forward with the acquisition. FTX's loan commitments reportedly raised concerns about proceeding with the deal. Over the last three days, FTX saw over $6 billion in withdrawals. 
Additionally, Bloomberg sources say the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and Commodity Futures Trading Commission began investigating FTX's relationship with its sister entity, Alameda Research, about potentially mishandling customer funds. All right. Hey, thanks so much for the uh, gifted subs. I see that right there. Justin Gold throwing gifts out. Very nice. You, you guys are wonderful. Now, check this out. <laughs> Ron Clark. Hey, everybody who ju just got gifted subs, definitely look at the emote tray. It will open up with a whole new set of squad emotes. We are rolling. Guys, check it out. Um, Coffeezilla on YouTube has an awesome video just published, I think, two nights ago around Binance and FTX. What you guys need to know on the surface, you might be like, oh, wow, the two largest kind of, you know, crypto exchanges are merging. Could this be like antitrust? Could this be monopoly? Oh, no, this is way bigger. So Binance and FTX, the, the picture right here is the guy who runs FTX. They actually have kind of like a bitter rivalry. The guy who runs it, I think his name is Ch Cheng or Chen. Um, and these guys have been kind of fighting tooth and nail, not playing nice with each other. And the reason that FTX is having a massive uh, liquidity problem and an issue is because they started they started over leveraging themselves, right? This isn't really a cyber story per se, but I will make it a cyber story in a second. FTX kind of over leveraged themselves and people started drawing their money out. And guys, like it, it's like the Great Depression, right? On the, a run on the banks, right? Like the exchange isn't holding all the money like a like a, a, a safe, right? They loan the money out and they hope that not everybody at the same time um, wants to call their money back. But if they all call their money back, um, you, you know, they're going to collapse because they can't do that. Plus, when everybody's pulling their money out, the value of the token, like a traded stock, is going to go down and depreciate because essentially people are saying, I don't want that. Binance actually had a huge position uh, in whatever FTX, FTX has its own like coin. Binance actually had a huge position in it and alerted that Binance would no longer be like allowing the trading or they were fully uh, diluting their investment in that coin, which tank, like I'm talking massive tank, the value of the FTX. Hey, Moshe Levy, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Enjoy the stream. I, I'm glad you've learned a lot. So anyways, Binance basically very, very, uh, you know, I guess intelligently, but also vindictively tanked FTX. So the value of FTX is going in the ground. FTX is hemorrhaging. And then Binance announces their letter to buy them, which would probably taste like uh, bile to this guy in his mouth. And now they're backing out for four reasons. But um, Binance, it, this is just, you know, it's it's a business, it's money, but the two people are at the top. Uh, the guy who's in charge of Binance is really putting the screws to this guy right here who's in charge of FTX, um, making, making it hurt. So anyways, like I said, CoffeeZilla has an awesome video if you're interested in more of this. All I would say for the, uh, for the cybersecurity stuff is as ransomwares demand crypto and that's what the ransom payment is and or extortion fees and all that stuff. Basically, threat actors don't care. They're not going to say like, oh, I used to ask for 50 Bitcoins when it was like a million dollars. And now I'm going to ask for 50 Bitcoins, but it's only worth like $20,000. No, they'll just ask for more Bitcoin, right? Or more crypto uh, to, to get the USD equivalent of whatever, you know, say about 10% of the annual revenue of the company that they're victimizing. That's that's kind of the sweet spot, right? The, the threat actors will 
ransomware or get in and get data and then extort the business. And they don't say an amount that's going to, the business is going to say, we can't pay that. Hell no. They'll choose an amount that's like seven to 10% of annual revenue. So the CFO is like, oh my God, this is a wicked pain point, but we can pay it. Let's just get back to business. It's, it's ransomware threat actor 101. Vulnerability found in oil and gas utilities. Researchers at the security company Clarity discovered a vulnerability in a widely deployed flow computer system used across oil and gas utilities. These computers calculate oil and gas volume and flow rates essential for operations, but also for billing. The high severity path traversal vulnerability would allow an attacker to take over a flow computer and remotely disrupt its ability for accurate measurements, letting an attacker obtain root access. The maker of the system, ABB, said it issued an advisory on the vulnerability to customers on July 14th and issued an update to resolve the issue. The company advised that proper network segmentation can also adequately mitigate the vulnerability. All right. So, all right, guys, everything in context, right? So, yes, high severity vulnerability. This is a piece of operational technology or OT. Um, a lot of OT systems uh, are now integrated with IT systems. So it's difficult to kind of segment those networks. A lot of operational technology wasn't designed with security in mind. And a lot of operational technology affects physical systems, right? So in this case, um, this particular system can control, get out of here, control the flow of um, oil and gas flowing through a system, right? So obviously if you crank it up to 11 and it starts pushing through and you know, gaskets are blowing off and stuff like that. You could cause a damage, you could cause an explosion, obviously very serious stuff. But you've also got to remember like, okay, it's a high severity, I agree. But how do you, how do you exercise it, right? It, it sounds like it's a pretty easy vulnerability to exploit, but how do you exercise it? Do you have to physically be at the system? Do you have to be on the local network? You know, like uh, usually, um, let me see this really quickly. God, why does this pop up about? Usually when you do a CVSS score, you'll um, you'll actually account for like how, how, how easy is it to exploit? Like what's the level of closeness and proximity? You see like this, this right here, uh, if you can see it, this vector, you can see the pop-up. I know it's tough to see on the screen, but if you put in any CVE into Google and search and pull it up, you'll see it's like, what's the complexity? What privileges are required? Do you need to be a root account? Um, you know, what, what, like, what's the user interaction required? This one's actually pretty gnarly. You don't need any user interaction, no privilege escalation. It's a low attack complexity. You, it says you have to be on the network, which means local network. So they said network segmentation is a way to um, handle this, but ideally, if you have these systems in your environment, um, you know about it and you can patch it. If you can't patch it, um, you're definitely going to want to make a, a concerted effort to segment these pieces if possible. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess I just want to emphasize that high severity of like a cyber physical system that can cause real damage is something to be concerned of, but it's not like this is internet facing or it sure shouldn't be. You can use Shodan to find operational technology that is internet facing, but that's usually due to misconfiguration, not because it's designed that way. PyPy packages hiding malware in image files. Another day, another piece of malware hiding in the Python package index. Researchers at Checkpoint Research sent out an advisory warning about a malicious package named AppyColor. This contains an odd, non-trivial code section at the beginning of its installation script, which downloads a picture from the web. The installed package would then process the image and trigger the processing generated output using the exec command. 
Checkpoint notes that it regularly scans PyPy for malicious packages, but said this stood out as a unique and distinct approach. While many malicious packages in PyPy come as a result of copy and paste techniques, this approach shows that obfuscation methods on the index are evolving rapidly. All right, so this is kind of cool, kind of clever, a novel technique. I, I'll give a half a hat tip to the threat actors on this one. You guys know if, if you've been following Simply Cyber for a while, I do, um, you know, show respect when threat actors do do really like novel, interesting attacks, uh, clever attacks, because, um, you know, it, it's the game, right? You know, so anyways, PyPy, hiding malicious packages in PyPies is not anything new. Think of PyPy as like a repo that Python, people writing Python scripts, Python developers pull from, right? You don't, you don't necessarily um, check the source code. It's just like, oh, I need, I need something to do web scraping, go to PyPy, right? So people are throwing malicious packages in here. Now, what's interesting here is that there is a kind of sus, um, there's a sus um, command inside this API color um, package, which you could import that reaches out and pulls down a picture. So if you were to like actually look at the um, script and you'd be like, okay, so what is this? What's going on? Oh, it just pulls a picture down. That's weird. But when you look at the picture, you're like, I don't get it right now. For those of us who know what a stenography or, uh, you know, work in cybersecurity, you, 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 your, your like radar goes off, right? Your little spidey sense starts tingling. You're like, Hmm, this doesn't seem right. But a dev or, you know, someone who's not as well informed on that side might be like, Oh, whatever. It's a picture. Who gives a crap? Right? Well, the problem is it reads the picture and the picture has code in it somehow. It processes that and then takes execution, right? It executes it under exec, which means that it probably, you know, you could weaponize it. You could have it run processes. You could have it reach out to another server and pull down a payload. And the cool thing is it's obfuscated. So you can't look at the picture and tell what it is. And a threat actor can change the picture, right? So update the picture with a new, new commands, new arbitrary payloads. Um, change it out, what, whatever you want. Um, just from a best practice in software development, you should not be importing random packages without doing some level of due diligence. Is this a, you know, is this like what I need? Is this the functionality I need? Is there any functionality I don't need? Good thing about Python, and this is a reason why most cybersecurity and, and IT people like Python. A, because it's it's kind of quick and dirty and simple but it's an interpreted language versus a compiled language, right? So with an interpreted language, you can read the source code. Like it's it's written in English for lack of a better term. You can read it before you interpret it or run it through an interpreter. So that level of obfuscation on the source code level uh, isn't there. And if it is written in an obfuscated way, it's quite obvious to someone reading it. You're like, why the hell would the developer obfuscate the crap out of this unless they were trying to uh, hide something uh, in, in the code, right? A compiled program, like a binary or something, you could reverse it using like IDA or something like that, but you're not going to get the same exact code that was compiled initially because the compiler is going to try to optimize the code and stuff like that. So it's not exactly one-to-one. -one. So that's, that's a couple of reasons why Python's running hot. Be mindful. Don't install API color. Experian and T-Mobile settle on breaches. Experian and T-Mobile separately reached agreements with 40 U.S. states to resolve data lost in breaches from 2012 and 2015. Experian will pay the bulk of the settlement at $14 million, with $2 million paid by the wireless carrier. The 2012 breach at Experian involved an inside actor brought into the company through an acquisition who sold data on over 3 million queries to third parties. 
The company did not alert regulators or impacted customers about that breach. The 2015 breach impacted Experience Network, where T-Mobile stored customer credit applications, impacting 15 million people. Experian offered two years of free credit monitoring after that breach. The settlement will see them providing an additional five years, as well as free regular credit reports. Dude, I know, hey, it's my birthday. I'm not going to get wicked worked up, okay? Like, it, it, it kills me. Like, guys, we live in an age where data is not the most value commodity, but it's one of the most valuable commodities. We Like, the tech barons are trading in data. The oil barons and the steel barons of the early, um, you know, 19th century or, you know, whatever, late 1800s, early 1900s, they traded in that commodity. Today, 2022, 21st century, it's all about data. The richest people have data. And Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, they got financial data at the wazoo. And it, it just it just it just kills me because like $16 million, like the adjective mere in this case is so apropos because it's it's like the cost of doing business. This is like when Meta gets hit with a privacy violation in Ireland for you know $18 million. Like you write that out of petty cash. That's walking around money for these guys. And it it it's just it's just annoying to me. It's like, okay, like everybody, everybody, each of us in chat, all of us, like our data, we're the victims, right? But you know, just stroke a check. Like Experian didn't even disclose the breach. And then we look at Uber. Uber had a breach, didn't didn't uh uh disclose it, tried to get an NDA with the hackers, and you know, the CSO or, you know, CSO Sullivan is in, is going to prison, right? And the, these guys stroke a check for $16 million. It just annoys me because there's, there's clearly, I don't know, I don't want to get on too much of a soapbox, but there's clearly like power brokers, you know, and, and there's, there's different tiers. And if you have access to certain levels of power, you know what you get? A financial fine, which is really not going to slow you down at all it's bad pub but guys guess what you know what we as consumers get to do or don't do we don't get to choose whether or not we shop at experian or not they're just a credit bureau oh hey look at all the birthday wishes Did we just become thank you friends? so much yep. lane i appreciate that kev tech kev tech it support my man kev <laughs> love me some kev tech if you guys don't know about kev tech go check his youtube channel out sub to him on linkedin that guy is a absolute treasure to our community thank you so much for all you do kev tech cyber munchkin with the gifted subs thanks so much joey hyde for the birthday wishes you guys are wonderful uh anyways here here's the news story experian paid a fine they could have another breach next week and it wouldn't it wouldn't slow anything down let's do the mid-roll and now a word from our sponsor app omni did you know that over half of companies have sensitive SaaS data exposed on the public internet and many breaches making headlines now involve SaaS apps, App Omni can help. App Omni identifies misconfigurations and guides remediation to keep your SaaS data secure. They help SaaS security teams make sense of data access permissions, third-party app visibility, and threat detection across their entire SaaS ecosystem. Get started at appomni.com. All right, it's the mid-roll. It's the mid-roll, so that means a couple things. One, obviously. All right, it's the mid-roll. I want to thank all of you 
first and foremost for being here and contributing to the Simply Cyber community. The community is, is wonderful and meaningful because of all that you all do, making it inclusive, making it supportive, making it a place that people can ask questions, making it a place that people can learn. Thank you for all you do. I also want to thank all of you for the birthday wishes. You guys are so kind, so generous, so thoughtful. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Kimberly, so much. I love what you do with Cybersecurity Central. That's another great organization that you guys should check out. Cybersecurity Central on LinkedIn, on YouTube, um, just delivering value every single week on what's going on in our industry from a content perspective, where you can get education, where you can connect with different players in the industry, where you can learn from their experiences. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Adam, for the super chat as well. I genuinely appreciate that. Guys, it is Thursday. So what's that meme Thursday? Want to give a shout out to Haircut Fish and Chad Haircut Fish, Dan Reardon. Thank you so much for continuing to consistently deliver and execute on What's Your Meme Thursday. I'm so glad that we've given Thursdays to you. Here's the big reveal, everybody. There it is. What's Your Meme Thursday. Birthday boy, <laughs> Dan Reardon, giving me the love. Looks like I'm at a, you know, a little gym uh, with uh, all my kids, all my, all my friends. Thank you so much, Bill Green. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Haircut Fish, for the, the jokes. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. If you guys aren't on the Simply Cyber Discord channel, if you guys aren't on the Simply Cyber Discord, exclamation point Discord in chat, come check it out. Hey, haircut fish is dropping emotes and, and memes all over the place up in there. Hey, Jeremy Williams, the squad is the value. Love you guys. Thank you for the encouragement and support. Thank you so much. Yes. And Bill Green, thank you for the super chat. You guys are wonderful. This community is awesome. I love, I love this community. You guys are the best. All right. Well, let's keep on going. Finish the news strong. Find out what Elon's doing. Get your Elon emotes ready because <laughs> they're coming. All right, thank you so much, everybody. Let's keep rolling. What? Did we just become best friends? Yeah. Oh, I love it, love it. And Jeremy Williams, good luck on that roll, man. I hope, I, I hope you, we get some conclusion, some disposition, and I hope it's a positive disposition. All right, let's roll on. Twitter rolls out blue verification. Twitter rolled out its expected update to its blue subscription service for iOS, which now authenticates users as part of the $7.99 subscription. It's unclear when it'll arrive on Android, the web app, or in new markets. The company also tested out showing a gray checkmark box on select accounts, labeling them as official, although owner Elon Musk summarily announced that he, quote, killed it. Right now, Blue only offers early access to new features, with Twitter promising longer video uploads, what? priority surfacing in search, and fewer yep. ads as coming soon. Thank you so much for the super chat, Aaron KG. And I love what you're doing, man. You're putting in the work, putting in the hustle. I see what you're doing. All right, guys, you want the blue check mark? It's for sale, eight bucks a month, Apple only. But, you know, that's obviously uh, going to increase. They're probably just working through the uh, nuances of Android and stuff like that. Um, I don't know, guys. I'm kind of on the fence. Mastodon, obviously, for the InfoSec community is reach critical mass. Now there's enough people on it. So the value of anything is based on the network, right? If, 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 you, if there was only one cell phone in the world, right? 
having the phone wouldn't really make a difference because there's no one to call, right? There's no value. But the more people that have it, the more value there is. And Mastodon as a platform um, has reached critical mass from an InfoSec experience. InfoSec.exchange is the Mastodon platform that a lot of people are on. I'm on that one. Uh, I don't know if Twitter's going to survive this or not, um, but you know you can be official. Um, keep an eye on this one, guys. I really, really think threat actors and um, you know spam campaigns, misinformation campaigns, all of that is going to be quickly weaponized. Uh, I would expect a story, you know, just within the next month or so of you know weaponized blue checkmark accounts. Uh, which is totally going to undermine the value of even wanting to buy that. I did see one use case where someone said, I will pay for it because I want to prevent, uh, you know, 160 other like fraudulent accounts from pretending to be me. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. IPFS used for malware hosting. The Distributed Interplanetary File System, or IPFS, represents a building block of Web3. It also turns out to be a great way to host malware. That comes from researchers at Cisco Talos, which found that it was being used by multiple malware families to retrieve initial malware stages. IPFS allows an attacker to efficiently make local content available on multiple nodes automatically without cost. Because the hash tables for the files are maintained across IPFS gateways, it's resilient to takedowns. The vectors of malware remain the same. Attackers must still direct victims to actually click on the file. Cisco recommends organizations not involved in Web3 simply block access to all IPFS gateways. Wow. Okay. So this is this is one of those ones where like, dude, as soon as there's a new technology, threat actors are going to figure out what's up. So I'd never heard of this interplanetary file system and I was about to dismiss it. But essentially, um, essentially, it's like a f your file system. You know how like you have files on you know a USB drive or or actually a, a, a perfect comp to this, at least the way I'm understanding it from the article is you have one drive, right? But then you 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 sync a local copy of certain files, directories, whatever, um, on your local workstation and they're in sync. So if you go offline, you still have access and then it syncs when you go up. This interplanetary file system seems similar, except your file system are kind of distributed across the blockchain. And when you're clicking on a URL, you're clicking on a hash that represents a unique value that then... Um, the, the file system will reach out to whatever the blockchain, I guess, and find where your files are and bring them in. It does offer some level of uh, resiliency. I don't really understand the value from a confidentiality perspective if your uh, files are distributed in many, many places. But according to the article, it looks like threat actors are basically, they'll compromise a machine. You can see it right here in the story. They'll compromise a machine. Then they'll install an FPI, F IPFS client under their control, publish the files to the network, and then that'll automatically make local content available to other nodes on the network. So I'm reading that from the story directly. So that's Talos's words. It seems that you can basically build a distributed network and have your malware, have your payloads be bulletproof because you're not going to like, uh, like Interpol or whatever, if they try to bring down the, the hosting server, the C2 infrastructure, They'll, the hash is going to point somewhere else. So it gives resiliency and continuity to a threat actor's infrastructure, their C2 infrastructure, basically. Um, so I would expect I would expect a lot of threat actors to do this, basically, because usually it's a centralized point that you can have IOCs for and break down and you kind of tear up 
the threat actors infrastructure. Uh, Finfrock, if you're on here, this is actually kind of interesting to consider when when tearing down threat actors infrastructure, how this is going to be uh, impacted. So look, look for more of this, I would imagine. Lenovo fixes UFI secure boot issue. Security researchers at Asset discovered that Lenovo mistakenly included an early development driver that would allow a user to change secure boot settings for the OS in its final production versions. This impacted 54 laptops across Lenovo's ThinkBook, IdeaPad, and Yoga lines, letting an attacker deactivate Eufy Secure Boot. This system is meant to ensure malicious code can't boot process. Without it, someone with access to a machine could bypass OS-level security protections and install malware that would persist after an OS wipe. Lenovo released a BIOS fix to resolve the issue on all machines, except for one IdeaPad model that has reached end of life. All right. Okay, so... <laughs> You're not going to see this. Like, Okay, so this is interesting. UFE uh, Secure Boot, it is a way to ensure that like, if you lose your laptop or whatever, someone boots up... Uh, you know, BitLocker stops them. They pull the hard drive. They can't do anything because it's encrypted. Um, but there's a way to disable it, bypass it. You would need physical access to the box um, in order to do this, which, you know, has its own, um, introduces its own, oh crap, introduces its own, um, I just closed Spotify, introduces its own challenges, right? So, and then it would have to be a very specific version of the Lenovo box. They mentioned the yoga pads and stuff like that. So Lenovo is a very popular brand. So it's not, uh, you're not unlikely to find it. But at the same time, this is like, to me, this is more sophisticated nation state threat actor espionage level stuff where like you have a very specific target who has very specific data that you are trying to get for a very specific reason. And then you exercise this attack, right? This isn't like, you know, attention all hands, like we've got to, you know, fix this enterprise wide. Yeah, you should fix it at some point, but this does not raise to the level of, holy crap, my pants are on fire. I've got to go in on the weekend to fix this. Okay. Unless you work at like the U.S. Embassy um, in Eastern Europe or who are you know, some researcher at Tesla who, you know, and you're making like, you know, wicked sophisticated stuff or you're Maybe in higher ed, if you're a researcher working on some like quantum, you know, physics stuff. But by and large, um, mom and pop, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sweat this one too much. Okay, I um, hold on, I accidentally closed. Like Spotify came up with an ad, and then um, <laughs> Spotify came up with an ad, and then it, uh, I tried to close the ad, and it closed the um all of spotify which <clears throat> is uh, how i run the podcast so <laughs> you guys might get an early preview of what it looks like when i have to read the podcast out loud without the use of uh ciso series so give me one second to please hopefully relaunch this oh sorry guys not today spotify came back up ibm plans to scale up quantum computers IBM launched its new Osprey quantum processor, offering 433 qubits, 240% more than its last-gen Eagle processor from 2021. Big Blue's current quantum roadmap ultimately calls for releasing a 4,000-qubit Kookaburra processor in 2025, preceded by a 1,121-qubit Condor processor next year and a 1,386-qubit Flamingo in 2024. 
The company also updated its QuizKit runtime to make programming these larger chips a little easier, letting developers trade speed for a reduced error count, something that can be an issue in quantum systems. IBM also provided more details on its upcoming Quantum System 2 with a planned 2023 launch date. This will integrate multiple quantum processors into a single system with high-speed links. All right. Yeah, I see you, Just Ben. <laughs> Even Simply Cyber's given me a gift on my birthday of audio issues. Uh, <laughs> if you've been a longtime member of Simply Cyber community, uh, audio issues is part of the show. Um, okay, so if you're following the quantum computer stuff, so IBM's coming out with a faster, stronger, like, you know, uh, uh, Captain Marvel version of their quantum computer. Here's the thing. Like, it's cool that everybody's pushing Arturo 2N. Thanks for the birthday wishes in the super chat. Genuinely appreciate. Guys, um, I put the, I put Oprah in here. It's like, you get a, you get a quantum computer. You get a quantum computer. Guys, like, I get that they're pushing and pushing and doing quantum computers, but as far as I know, quantum computers aren't deployed, right? Like, they're done in research settings. They're done in R&D and stuff, but it's not like I got what? Windows I Quantum, yep. right? Like, it's cool that they're pushing it, but like, I don't know. I feel like maybe focusing on actually getting it to market, getting it to actually be practical and used in some case um, would be more important. But I'll defer to you guys. I am not an expert on the quantum space. Uh, Bob uh, Gorley, the guy from UDA who was on a couple weeks ago, he's actually quite knowledgeable. The things I've heard about quantum is being able to cool it well, which I've heard that they've basically solved it. And then now the big challenge is that the qubits sometimes um, don't hold their state. So you have to, you have to account for error corrections and, and they're kind of working through that right now. But guys, like I, I'm, ready, I'm ready for Windows Quantum. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's go. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. So if you're following the quantum computer space, that's what this is. Uh, another thing from a cybersecurity perspective, and you might want to drop this bomb in your job interviews. Think about this, guys. Quantum computing will effectively beat current encryption levels. Oh, so what's that mean? We'll just use a new encryption. No big deal, Jerry. Yeah, okay, but... Right now, if you are just wholesale, we talk about data collection. If you are just wholesale vacuuming up encrypted communications between, you know, the United States and like government and the U.S. embassies abroad, um, Five Eyes international communication, you steal someone's laptop. We talked about BitLocker earlier. You steal someone's laptop, rip their hard drive out. Don't worry, just put all that data on ice because when the quantum computers come, all you got to do is point it at the uh, at the data. And I'm not saying it's like a point and click and you break it, but my point is, even though data is encrypted today, it can be broken later. It's not just about breaking in-transit communications if you're using an old version of an encryption standard when quantum computers come out and can break it. You can go back and break code from before. So that's going to be a real... Um, confidentiality hit um, for for you know many nations honestly. So I'll look for those type of stories when that comes out. Okay. This might be the end of today's cybersecurity headlines, but all right. So that's the end of today's cyber headlines. But you know what we like to do here? If you guys are here just for the show um, or for the news, excuse me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the birthday wishes. Uh, we have a couple minutes, so I like to play some music and. Uh, Hang out and say hi to everybody. But if you got to go. 
If you got to go, you got to go. I feel you. Thank you so much, guys. I want to remind everybody, if you did not know, on Thursdays, I like to do a live stream in the afternoon at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. I typically um, invite a guest, but because today was my birthday, I said, you know what? It's my birthday, and I'll be my guest if I want <laughs> If I want to be the guest. So later today at 4.30, we will be doing a super chill, super easy AMA, um, very relaxed. I typically try to run... The, these shows in a more professional, like Joe Rogan, not really Joe Rogan, but like, you know, bringing the guests and staying out of the way, just facilitating conversations and stuff like that. But today it's going to be a little bit more laid back. Maybe we'll have some guest visitors. I, I asked Finn Frock if he wanted to jump in. I might ask John Helmus if he wants to jump in. Maybe some of you, if you guys want to jump in, we could just throw it around, go around the horn, have a good time. Um, thanks so much, Alicia Jerry. I do love the music too. Jessica Probst, you know it's the gorillas. Jeremy Williams. Yeah, man. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Jim Lem with the birthday wishes and coffee. Thank you so much. Arturo, what am I doing for my birthday tonight? Uh, in my family, we have a tradition. Whoever's birthday it is, they get to uh, pick where, where we're having dinner and we go as a family and do dinner. So there's an actually uh, like a Thai Mexican or Thai Latin fusion restaurant that's very good. It's a bit of a drive to get to, but uh, I love it. Uh, there's actually like a Thai, a Pad Thai chicken burrito <laughs> that I get, and it's really good. Thanks so much, Carrie. Amadou, I appreciate it. You know what? Another thing I'm doing on my birthday that I love, spending time with my family, spending time streaming, doing two streams today. I saw Finfrock. I got to teach this morning. Doing cybersecurity. You know, I'm very fortunate that I get to do all the things I love uh, with the people I care most about on my birthday, which is all I could really ask for, honestly. Shane Prevost, enjoy your birthday dinner. Thank you so much, Shane. I appreciate that. Justin Loken, that's, yeah, exactly. It's a great tradition, man. Anyone lost a Bitcoin wallet? Quiet might be your golden ticket. That's right. Oh, that's a really good point, Jack Rodriguez. Good call, man. I, well, I can't talk Thai. I can't talk Thai. I can order Pad Thai. <laughs> oh, man. I do like the spice. All right. Guys, thanks so much. I really, really genuinely appreciate the birthday wishes and the, the uh, super chats. Very, very generous of you guys. Very nice. Oh, today's your wife's birthday, AH. Well, happy birthday to your wife. Happy birthday to the Marine Corps. Yeah, I do like spicy. Not just in my takes. Uh, thank you so much, Cybersecurity Central, for the super chat and the birthday wishes. Genuinely appreciate that. I'll get extra, um, extra spicy. Aaron KG afternoon stream resume coming from the tech sector. Yeah, we could do resume. I'll, I'll, we'll throw a resume up, roast it a little bit. Thanks, Gail Salins. Have a good day. All right, Jeremy Williams, back to the yard work. You do you, man. Be good. I hope to see you later. Oh, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to move where this uh, pop-up is. See how everybody likes it. If I put it here, oh, that doesn't look good. We'll have to, I got to figure out where to put this pop-up. When people when people do that, it you know it's all about here. What do we got to? Let's do love roller coaster. Who doesn't like that? Ooh, actually, you know what? Where's my DOS effects? Anybody anybody in the house know DOS effects? I love DOS effects. Bum skitty bum skitty. I gotta figure out what to do with this uh, alert box. Stick it over here, maybe. 
All right. All right, guys. Thanks for the birthday wishes. I see people people peacing out. That's good. Yeah, 4.30. 16.30, Jeremy. Looks good on your panel. When you say panel, you mean uh, where my my uh like right here Kimberly like right here let me know put it on the roof Jerry okay a lot of people don't know about DOS effects they kind of got overlooked they were there at a very popular time in the scene thanks Jessica Probst thanks Bill Green have a great good, have a great day everybody no effects yes all right everybody be good do great stuff hope to see you at 4 30 eastern time 15 30 central yes fushnikins greg wilson you know what's up all right let me put it on my midsection all right we'll put it there we'll put it on my midsection for a minute we'll leave it there for a few days we'll see what's up take care everybody thanks for all the squad support enjoy the emotes and we'll see you at 4 30 eastern time have a good one everybody thank you Sausages, mom. Please, they blitz shoot the breeze. Quickly, D shoots his lips. Crazy, crazy shot the sheriff. Yep, and I shot the gift. And that's pretty sneaky, sis. Oh, yo, I got my socks off, my rocks off. My Nessie's go for Coco. Holly, Hobby, try to zombie, try to rob me, silly son. Diggity, dun, 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 dun. Swing that toast and they can-